Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey guys, welcome to my basement. I'm Kyle Brandt. This is Kyle Brandt's Basement. You are here. Please hang out. Please stay. We hear DeMar Hamlin is back with the team and as a player, not standing there in street clothes, not just waving to the media to say he's okay. Like he will actually be working out, playing with the team, doing all those things. That's awesome news. Also saw a quote from our guy, Josh Allen, who says, I've never been so locked in a football in my whole life. That's pretty awesome to hear for several different reasons, all of them positive. I love that he's talking. I love that the Bills were there. I love that all the players are there in these workouts. I'm seeing people like Tyreek Hill, Jordan Love, all these different players who matter next year walking into the facilities. And as much as I love these draft players, God, I love seeing the pros. It's like my friends. They're back. They're back at work and back where we love them. We're back too, as we are each and every day. We're going to talk about who I think is the pivotal figure in this entire NFL draft, who may get things a little bit wild. Uh, also, I have a problem with teams that fall in love with quarterbacks at the draft. It's usually to their detriments. And did you see there's a new push-up champion? Sort of. We need to sort out this push-up thing. It's what I love. It's what I hate. And it's what's hilarious. Uh, I love that the Colts, yes, the Indianapolis Colts with the number four pick, I think are the fun team and the fun spot for the 2023 NFL Draft. I know a lot of people say Cardinals at three. We'll see what happens with Houston at two. But I like the Colts because when you have those top five picks, especially if you're talking about a quarterback, yes, of course, it's general manager and it's head coach and it's personnel. But to me, those are owner picks. Not exclusively, but the owner is going to agree and sign off if we're spending one of the top five picks on the quarterback this is much bigger than football. This is the face of our company for the next several years. Who knows, maybe the next 15 years. Those are owner picks. So you look at the owners involved here, and I look at Mr. James Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts, as something of a maverick. Certainly an eccentric personality, certainly a guy in the media who go out there and be unafraid of who he is and what he's about. I think there's a chance that Jim Ursay makes this a memorable draft for the Indianapolis Colts and all of us. And wouldn't you know, right on time, the owner of the Colts even shared a social media missive with all of us about it. The owner of the Colts, quote, for the 23 draft, we have many options. With the number four pick, we could stay put and take a quarterback, or trade up and take a quarterback, or trade down and maybe take a quarterback, or not, smiley face emoji. All options are on the table, but we like our position and are very excited. Fire up, football emoji. Fire up, not let's get fired up, Fire me up, fire up. That is a command, that is an order, fire up. And we have pictures here of four quarterback, starting with Anthony Richardson, then CJ Stroud, then Bryce Young, then Will Levis with a giant bicep tattoo from Kentucky. You know what the Colts aren't gonna do? They're not gonna do nothing. I say it all the time about this team or that team. I just don't think the Indianapolis Colts are gonna sit there at four and say, ho hum, let's get the third quarterback or maybe even the fourth quarterback, they're gonna do something here. And if you want a table flipping move for the Indianapolis Colts, the table flipping move could of course be take Stroud, if he falls, move up and take Stroud, take Richardson and just blow everybody away and throw him in there. 
My table flipping move for the Indianapolis Colts, if I could script a dream scenario that the Colts do at number four in the draft, it would start with my very favorite thing, my tiny little nuance at the NFL draft every year that I just love and it has to do with the broadcast. So-and-so team is on the clock and there's their little logo on the bottom left of the screen and the countdown clock and you're waiting for those words to pick is in. In the case of the number four pick, I wanna see that beautiful Indianapolis Colts logo, a little blue horseshoe with a white background, Colts are on the clock, and as everyone on the broadcast is talking over what just happened at three and what could happen at four, with the, what could the Colts do, where do they go, it flips. And that Colts logo whoosh, turns into a Ravens logo. And everybody loses their mind because the Colts and the Ravens have announced a trade, and that trade includes this year's first round pick, which is the number four pick, next year's first round pick, and Lamar Jackson going to the Indianapolis Colts. That's what I want. That's if I could script anything to happen in this draft, really any draft, is I want Lamar Jackson to go to the Indianapolis Colts in the middle of the draft at the top of the first round, and Jim Irsay said, I want Lamar. Get him here, do whatever you have to do to get him here. I don't want Levis, Stroud, Richardson. I don't care if Young is there. I want Jackson, and I want him here now. Chris Ballard, make it happen. Get on the phone with Baltimore. I want Lamar Jackson. Let's trade him the picks. We're gonna work out the deal. We have money to spend. We have draft picks to give. Bring Lamar Jackson, and boom, this thing has been in the works, and there's a picture mock-up, and it's Peyton Manning, and it's Andrew Luck, and it's Lamar Jackson. And in week one of the NFL season, Lamar Jackson comes out wearing the Johnny Unitas black cleats. And sure enough, I've done the research, my friends. The Indianapolis Colts this season do play at Baltimore. So the schedule makers get to work and they roll up their sleeves and they say, opening night, we're doing it. Just like we sent Russell back to Seattle, we are sending the Lamar Jackson Indianapolis Colts to Baltimore for the kickoff class that we're gonna do this thing. Boom, that's how it happens. Now, come with me, you think this is a good scenario? Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. They're on the clock with the number four pick. They just traded their MVP quarterback. He's gone. So you know what they do at four. You know what they do. They're going to Gainesville, and they take Anthony Richardson to come to Baltimore to be the QB1 for the Baltimore Ravens, where his potentially raw and certainly very athletic skill set could push right into the offense with the tight ends and the fullbacks and the running game. Can you imagine for just a second if the Baltimore Ravens traded away Lamar Jackson and got more athletic at quarterback. Imagine that. They got bigger, stronger, who knows, maybe even faster. Imagine that. That's what I'm imagining. Indianapolis Colts go for broke. They're sick of doing the senior tour of quarterbacks and Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers and Andrew Luck walked out on them so they're gonna, they're gonna break the door down. And they are going for Lamar and they're doing it and the Ravens said, you know what? You want him, you got him, you pay him. Give us two first-run picks. We're going to take the kid from Florida. We're going to rebuild this thing. We don't think we're going to miss a beat. That's the kind of wild card I'm talking about. Because some owners say, we're going to do something fun at the draft. Everything's on the table. They mean they're going to move up a few spots to go and take a linebacker instead of a tight end. Those are conventional, button-down, conservative owners. And maybe that linebacker will be a first-team all-pro. Who knows? When Jim Ursay says everything's on the table... There's a lot of things on the table. This is not a conservative one. This is not a shrinking violet or a wallflower. This is Jim Irsay. He has an entire museum of classic rock collection and memorabilia that he spent millions of dollars on. He's, he's a real one, Irsay. So if he's tweeting Colts Nation saying, are you ready? 
I am ready. And I don't want to hang. Well, we moved up two spots to get CJ Stroud. Mm -mm. I want to go for the big dog. I want Lamar Jackson in a Colts uniform. I want Anthony Richardson in a Ravens uniform. You ask me what's my dream scenario, I give you Lamar to Indianapolis. Get to what I hate. So I hate when teams get enamored and even intoxicated with a quarterback that they must have in the draft. But I look at one pick earlier. I looked, we were just talking about Indianapolis at the four pick. I look at Arizona with the three pick. Arizona sitting at number three. So you got Carolina, Houston, Arizona three. Now some people have decided, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be nuts if the Cardinals said, we're out of the Kyler business. We're going to make do with that somehow, even though we extended, we're going to draft the quarterback and start anew with a new coach, a new GM, a new era, a new everything. Uh, that, apparently that ain't happening. I sit across from Peter Schrager, who knows all of this stuff, and he knows the Cardinals really well. And he's sitting there going, guys, that's not happening. They're not taking a quarterback, not having taking a quarterback. And I would bet my life that the Cardinals are not taking a quarterback based purely on Peter saying that. So what do they do then? If the Cardinals are not going to take a quarterback at three, for the love of God, trade. Trade back. Trade back. You could sit there and say, well, you know, that Will Allen from Alabama is, is the best defensive player on the board. Listen, he is really good. I was with him today for a half an hour on live TV, and he's an awesome guy, and he's big, and he's charismatic, and he's everything. I don't know if he's Lawrence Taylor. I don't know if he's Derek Thomas. I also heard that there are two great players in this year's draft. It's Bryce Young. It's the, the kid Jalen Carter from Georgia, and then there's a bunch of guys. That was the take from one NFL insider. And I don't mean an insider like Rappaport or Schrager or Schefter. I'm talking about like a guy in a front office. So if you were Arizona, take advantage of the intoxication that teams get with quarterbacks coming out of, the, out of college into the draft. Take advantage of a team that has struggled, has no identity, has no face of their franchise, and wants a quarterback so bad Take them to the cleaners. Take everything they can possibly trade for you because you know why this is the best year to do that if you're Arizona? Not only do you get teams that just must have a quarterback and feel like they can't do business and sell jerseys, let alone win games without some sort of star celebrity quarterback. Not only do they have that every year, this year is the ultimate because you have this Anthony Richardson factor who is looked at as the greatest athlete to ever play quarterback in the NFL draft in terms of pure measurables. He is charismatic, he is outgoing, he is outspoken, he is incredible to look at, he is raw as hell, it may be a disaster, but my God, it is really gonna blow some hair back for some coaches and GMs. So not only do they normally wanna reach up under any circumstances to get a quarterback, now you have the ultimate unicorn mermaid leprechaun sitting there being like, this guy could be the greatest ever, we must get him. Is there anything we haven't offered Arizona to trade? And Arizona says, I don't know, I worry, could you sweeten up the offer a little bit? Sweeten it. Sweeten it up. I think that they will do something irresponsible to get up there to three this year. And maybe it's Richardson. Listen, there's a lot of building momentum that Young is going to go to Carolina and that Houston at two may not take a quarterback, that Stroud could be there at three, including in Schrager's mock draft today. He's got Stroud falling, if you can call it falling, past Houston at two. So then you have the idea, if you want to go to Arizona, you could get nuts with Richardson or you could just go more conventional with Stroud. Arizona. 
don't take a defensive player unless you're just positive this guy has a floor of Miles Garrett and a height of Lawrence Taylor. Trade, trade everything. Trade, 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 trade. Get, demand every single asset from whatever that team is because you know what? They'll do it and they'll do it to their own detriment. There is a history of teams for whatever reason, they get it in their head. It's kind of like you or me in fantasy. We predetermine what player we're gonna draft and we get them no matter what we have to do. No matter what. I was gonna have Cooper Cup on my fantasy team last year if I had to draft him number one overall. You just go into it crushing on players. And often in fantasy and certain in reality, it blows up. Let's look at the history right now of teams trading up for a quarterback in the first round. There's some good ones. And I'll save those for the end. Stop me when you hear a good move. These are teams in the first round of the draft just saying, I, I gotta have this guy, look at him. Look at his release point and look at his footwork and look at his blah, 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 blah. The Packers trading up for Jordan Love. Absolutely bat bleep insane thing to do. Who knows if it ruined their franchise for the next 10, 10 years. Jordan Love, 2020. The Jets had to have Sam Darnold in 2018. The Cardinals had to have Josh Rosen. The Bears were so in love with Mitch Trubisky, they moved up within the top five to get Mitch Trubisky out of North Carolina. The Broncos had to have Paxton Lynch. Six foot seven, look at him, he's got a cannon for an arm. The Browns, Johnny Manziel, self-explanatory. The Jaguars, Blaine Gabbert. The Broncos traded up for Tim Tebow. The Browns for Brady Quinn. Washington for Jason Campbell. I'll keep going, guys. The Bills for J.P. Lossman. And the San Diego Chargers for Ryan Leaf. There was trades involved in all of those for teams maneuvered to get there. That's a tough list. That is a tough crew. Those were teams who were drunk. And they saw Blaine Gabbert, or they saw Brady Quinn, or Paxton Lynch, whoever, and just, this is our guy. We see this beautiful vision. He's going to win Super Bowls, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And they spent... For him not only waited not only got him because he came to him and they fell to him and said we should draft him move please move i still don't know what matt lafleur and the packers front office was doing with jordan love moving up to get jordan love they could have moved up to get jordan or justin jefferson he could have put justin jefferson with rogers they saw jordan love who led the nation in interceptions nobody in the country threw more and said Get him! Move up to get him! So no one else gets him. No one else was gonna get him, guys. They don't care. Now, if you want to say, sure, Mahomes, they moved up. Yeah. Josh Allen, Lamar, Michael Vick, Flacco. Sure. The list is smaller. By far. Teams will get obsessed, infatuated, intoxicated, straight up high, anesthetized, because they see some footage of JP Lossman or Josh Rosen. Remember when Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready of all the quarterbacks? Come on. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you are sitting there at three, get ready for teams behind you who see such and such as being the most pro-ready, highest ceiling, all that nonsense, and tell them to trade you every asset under their roof to get him and you can have him. Will Allen, nice player, I like him. Maybe a great player. Trade, 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 trade. Just tip that wine bottle for him. Boop, boop, boop. Keep drinking. Keep drinking the sauce on Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud. We'll take 50 different picks from you. That's how you do it. Let's get to what's hilarious. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, do you know who Lucas Helmke is? H-E-L-M-K-E, Lucas Helmke. It's a bloke from Australia. You don't know who he is by name. That's probably good. The news broke about a week ago that someone had broken, uh, broken, excuse me, someone had broken the record for push-ups in an hour. There's a record for every idiotic pursuit under the sun and then real legitimate things like push-ups. And there's a record for push-ups in an hour. How many push-ups do you think someone could do in an hour if they're a record holder? Do you think they could do 1,000 push-ups in one hour? That's a lot. 1,500, 2,000, I mean 2,000 push-ups, who can do that in a day? One hour? Well, 33-year-old Lucas Helmke sets the record for push-ups in one hour with 3,206 push-ups in one hour. And you're thinking, that's the stupidest thing. That's not possible. I don't even know what the math is on that. Well, I do. So the word gets out, 3,206 push-ups in 60 minutes. That's 53 push-ups per minute for 60 minutes. And you think, let me see the video. And there it is. And you're saying, did he do 3,206 push-ups or did he even do one push-up? <laughs> Didn't he do zero? Because I'm seeing him do something, but it doesn't look like a push-up. So there's always the push-up police, whether it's back in your presidential fitness test, whether you're doing a push-up contest with your friends in high school in the gym, or whether it's something like this. And when you come out and say you did 3,206 push-ups and you did 53 push-ups in a minute 60 times, they damn well better be good push-ups. I think those are average push-ups at best, and we're looking at them right now. Listen. If you want to beat your friends with this or win 20 bucks off somebody or even just get a good chest workout and you want to do push-ups like that, that's your business. If you're going to make world news for being the push-up king, that's garbage. Those suck. Those push-ups are not good. And you can't come out and claim the title unless you do them. Listen, push-ups, you got the, the rule of thumb is the upper arm should go horizontal. It's kind of like a bench press rep, the, the arm should lock out. That is a rep. A push-up should be horizontal, if not more. This is not horizontal, this Australian guy. He says that he told the Guinness Book of World Records it took him two to three years to build up the strength to do 3,000. I'm still waiting for you to do one push-up, sir. Never mind 3,000. The guy set the record for push-ups done in one hour with zero. <laughs> Apparently, there's another Australian, Daniel Scully, who got his record broken by just 24 push-ups. And I bet Dan Scully is pissed because he's like, those aren't push-ups. So imagine if you come out and you say the push-up king. You better do some good push-ups, all right? Let's go to the sky cam. So I could get down here, and I could just do this for a while, and I could probably do a lot. Now, I'm not doing 3,000, but I could probably do one for 
most of a Kyle Brandt's basement episode. But if I'm down here, if I'm going all the way down, that's difficult. You know what? I'm going to declare myself, I'm going to pick up some dumbbells. I'm the dumbbell curl king. And I'm gonna, watch how many I can do in a minute. I'll just get them like this. I'll just go like this. These are my curls. I hope you guys are counting because I'm already at like 15. I want to know the Guinness people. Send them this video for most bicep curls done in 30 seconds. That's stupid. Don't, don't tell me you're the world record holder. If you're just some tool in a gym who does a lot of push-ups, that's great. But once we involve the people at Guinness... Once we involve the world reports, it's got to be good. You can't tell me you climbed the fastest to climb Everest and you climbed to the three-quarter mark and then froze to death. It doesn't work that way. Oh, I, I can chug a, a beer, the fastest in the world. I only drink half the beer, but still, I'm the fastest. I can drink also the most beers in an hour, but I only take one sip out of each beer. Come on, dude. Also, um, apparently the guy's an accountant. And I don't know how it works in Australia, but right here is tax season. So I don't know, maybe handle my W-9s or whatever the hell they got down there in Australia. I don't know if I want my accountant looking like that. The guy's incredibly large chest. I mean, he's massive. Guy does 3,000 push-ups. Push-ups in an hour. But like body weight squats. I can do the most body weight squats in one hour. Here's my squats. That's not it. The thigh's got to be horizontal. You got to go all the way down. You know the gym guys out there online, on Instagram, are going to just crush you for that. You know those aren't quality push-ups. Don't claim to be the champ. Just don't do it. My champion is still Daniel Scully, who had 24 fewer. 3,206 push-ups in one hour. I'd be more impressed if you did one push-up in the next 10 seconds, but do it properly. Come on. What's this guy's name again? Lucas Helmke. I would like to hear the rebuttal from him. Is there one? And are there no standards anywhere? Like, if Joey Chestnut eats 76 hot dogs, but he doesn't eat the bun, or only eats half of it, and then he raises his arms like he's the champion, everyone would go outrageous. He shoves that whole thing down his throat, he dunks it in the water. That is a record. That's a record. This guy? Stupid. Um, guy who can do 5,000 push-ups in 10 minutes, I've seen him do it, is Michael Flynn with something we call brand awareness. How many push-ups in an hour, Flynn? Not nearly 5,000. It, it's not even close. It's, it's been a while. No, can't, can't even touch it. I want somebody out there who is good at making GIFs or GIFs, however you say it, to give us two from that segment. One, you doing the push-ups where we can't see your head, so it's just your body bouncing up and down. And good. two, uh, obviously, the, the weights. We need both of them. Please send them to at KB Basement. Please do. I'm the bicep curl champ. I can just do them really, really fast. If I had a shake weight, it would be an even better gift. And I had one I think I got from a Secret Santa years ago, but those things aren't that funny anymore. Um, I don't get all the headlines, Flynn. Sometimes I miss things, even with my busy day and very busy schedule. You, with your 12 kids, somehow find all of them. So what did I miss today? Let's, uh, we're going to start in Oakland, where my former colleagues over at SNY arrived to the Mets Athletic Series and were informed that they couldn't broadcast from the road booth because it was being occupied by a possum. The animal had mm. reportedly made an appearance in the booth during the team's last home game, but then the A's went on the road, and upon return, it was the possum's home now. 
Kyle, a couple months ago, you hit biggest fear in dart roulette, and the entire staff of the basement was surprised that you you immediately went to raccoon. So I ask, where do you react to this story with a possum that is very similar to a raccoon? Possum is second on the list. Um, terrifying animals with terrible habits. Flynn, do you, is what what is the status of this? Uh, is is has there been an exterminator? Has pest control come in? Do you have any idea, or is it still a, a, an issue? I believe it is still an issue, and the visiting okay. team, whoever they may be, is just going to continue to operate out of a different broadcast booth. All right. Well, at some point, a heroic man or woman, whoever is going to be, is going to go in there and have to resolve this possum issue. Let me tell you a story. Uh, when I was when I was in my early twenties, I uh, had a home in Burbank that had some pest issues, raccoons included. But this is not about raccoons. Um, and I walked, I had a, a small dog at the time, not too small, it was about a 40 pound dog. And I walked outside my front door and the dog took off and jolted so much that it ripped the leash out of my hand. And I saw it run up to something at the front edge of my yard and like kind of go to bite it and then sniff it. And then it walked away. And the do- my dog, whose name was AJ, wasn't interested at the time. So I go, what the hell was that? And I look up. And there in the front edge of the yard is a dead possum. And it's just dead. And it's back like this. And it's got its, its claws up and its teeth are out. And it just looks gross. And I don't know how long this thing's been dead. But my dog, AJ, ran up to it and saw that it was dead and looked out. And I'm looking at this thing like, oh, gross. I got to get rid of this thing now. Oh, great. So I take AJ back in the house. And I go back in the garage and I get uh, a garbage bag and a shovel. And, you know, this is probably 90 seconds later. I walk out the front door with the garbage bag and the shovel. And it's gone. And do you know why it's gone? It's because it was faking that it was dead. It was plain possum for real. It fooled my dog, who has animal-like instincts and smell and had it ready to have in his mouth and just died. I got about 18 inches away from that thing with my stupid human face, admiring its death-like features, and it was faking the whole time. And I have never forgotten that. I never will forget that. And there's an alternate ending to that story in which my stupid human face is 18 inches away from the possum, If that possum had broken character and come back to life, I would have lost all bodily functions in my pants. And I don't know if I'd be here today. If it so much as opened its eye to look at me, I'd have peed. And if it jumped and lashed and yelped or whatever possums do, I probably am dead on the ground. So possums are a devious, ruthless, and completely fearless animal so that person man woman who goes in to exterminate or remove the possum from the a's facility there where the media is you're gonna find a dead possum it ain't dead (laughs) it is not until you take its pulse with the little possum beep beep and it flatlines they may even be able to fake that i have never seen a performance from an animal human being or otherwise that was so compelling. That was the Daniel Day-Lewis of possums in Burbank in 2004. I, Sean Bean himself has been killed in about 50 different movies. 
has never put forth a death performance as compelling or convincing as the possum in my front yard. Not Boromir, not Agent 006, not the guy in Ronin, not anyone ever, the king of death, Sean Bean, it goes to him. And the Oscar goes to the possum in Kyle's front yard in 2004, who was, I, I still think that thing's dead, but it was gone. I know it wasn't dead. I know it walked away and it lived in, who knows? Who knows how that thing ended up? It's probably still with us today. So be careful. Whoever goes to resolve this for the A's, you're gonna think you lucked out. Now you're in pest control, you probably know that they're gonna play dead. Make extra special sure, because those possums are so scary and so terrifying and incredible thespians. And scene. There's my advice, Flint. That, that's a terrifying story. Terrifying. I think they're the most disgusting looking animal. I want to call them a rodent because it seems rodents, but I actually they looked are. it up. They're, they're considered marsupials. Um, but Oh, because they have a pouch. Yeah, I guess so. I don't want to think about it, but they definitely do. That's gross. Um, but yeah, absolutely disgusting. Disgusting situation in Oakland. Uh, the situation around the Oakland Athletics is that they might not clean it out at all and might just let it die with the stadium when they finally get a new one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just gross. I'm not kidding. It's probably what's going to happen. Well, if they don't uh, clean it out, Flynn, then you know what it's going to do. It's going to procreate. Then there's going to be more. <laughs> they're just gonna, yep. they're gonna be everywhere. Help me with that. I don't know my baseball stadiums as well as I used to. Is the stadium, the ballpark where the A's playing now, is that still where the Raiders used to play? Yes, the the Coliseum. It is? I think it, I think it has a sponsored name now, but the Coliseum, and it's it's oh my a, god, it's an awful situation. The the owners don't want to spend on the team. I believe the AAA yeah. team is outselling the major league team in terms of attendance. It's a bad situation, and now they got possums living in announcer boots. Oh my god! I I used yeah. to talk to Maurice Jones Drew, who at the end of his career was a Raider, and he'd be like, "Bro, that stadium." And I'd be like, what? I, I, it's an old stadium. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you cannot believe. We used to sit there in, in the locker room, and this is the home locker room. <laughs> this is not some crappy visitors thing. And there'd be things leaking from the ceiling that were green, and they'd be leaking on our shoulders and stuff. I'm like, what do you mean green? He's like, it was from Ninja Turtles. I don't know what it was. <laughs> we are the home team, the vaunted silver and black Raiders in our home game, and there's drippy stuff leaking on I don't know who the receivers were at the time but anybody whoever it was Amari Cooper's shoulders and like that's the stadium we're still there and now they got possums it's like I feel like the franchise is doing what possums doing they're just playing dead it's crazy yeah, at least the Raiders were able to get out. Uh, let's move on yeah. from possum talk and go from Oakland to Brussels, where four individuals were engaged in a friendly game of Monopoly on the pavement at 5 a.m. And according to police, that's when things got out of hand. The group were approached by a father-son duo who weren't pleased with the amount of noise being made. One person began to threaten others with a stick. That's when the son pulled out his samurai sword. Two people were badly injured and rushed to the emergency room while the scene of the incident was, quote, stained with blood and scattered with Monopoly cards, end quote. Kyle, your thoughts? A lot. Imagine the surprise when the guy who pulled out the stick, when the other guy goes, pulls out the samurai sword. He brought a stick to a samurai sword fight. That was like the crocodile thing. That's not a knife. Incredible. Also, I think that's the first Monopoly game in history that hasn't ended with someone being like, I'm tired, I don't care, you win, I'm going to bed. It actually ended in a different way other than that, which is very rare. 
I also sympathize. There's at least one person who had spent three hours building hotels and putting them all up and down all his properties, and that game got ruined, and that guy had his night ruined completely. Lastly, my freshman year roommate, one of the three that I had randomly assigned, one of the first conversations I ever had with him, I said, what are you into? Are you into music or you know, video games or whatever? And he said, well, something you should know about me. I collect swords. And I was like, oh, Christ, sword collector guy. There are people who collect swords, who own swords. Sometimes they have them on their wall. Sometimes they're just in the trunk of their car. There's no one who's ever purchased a sword in the 21st century who hasn't had hopes of someday using it. He wants so badly to use the sword. So that Monopoly guy who's probably sitting on Marvin Gardens and B&O Railroad, the second the other person pulled out a stick, he said, yeah! And I bet he had a stance, and I bet he was reliving all his like Kill Bill and Akira Kurosawa fantasies. Oh, man. I need video. I love... So there was blood all over, so that I'm sure he swung the sword and probably connected with it. That's a great story about a horrible story. I, there's video of everything right now. How is there not a video of stick guy versus sword guy stomping all over community chest, not collecting $200 and going right to Samurai Sword? I need video, please. Never mind the push-up champ. I want the Samurai Sword guy. There's a few more uh, details that I sure. left out that I don't that I don't want to get into because it, it only adds to the grotesqueness of the scene. Um, I have a theory, though, that I think the son with the samurai sword started this entire thing and is more like your college roommate because I fail to believe that a 5 a.m. Monopoly game caused a lot of noise. No Monopoly game has ever broken out in fights or anything like that. It's not a game that you're loud at. I refuse to believe it. I think that guy saw a bunch of people playing Monopoly, said, oh, I can put my sword to good use, grabbed his dad and went on down. Okay. Monopoly tends to be a pretty apathetic game. It's not like anybody gets mad, you just get more annoyed and bored, and the dice never work out. That is a pretty incredible thing, though. And now you have me, t like, was there violent details or something? They're graphic? The, yeah, the, there were. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get into them. They, they, were, they were. Really? Yeah. Was there, was there like a castration or something? Like, what, how bad could it be? No, he he himself did not unsheath the sword. It was grabbed at, and then the I think it's called a scabbard was ripped sure. off, yeah. and with the scabbard came pieces of skin and flesh and other things, and it just became <laughs> oh, a bloodbath. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, as long as somebody got Park Place Boardwalk, that's that's all that matters. That's incredible. That's a good story. It needs video, but it's, it's only so much you can do, Glenn. It does. I have one last thing for you, and I also have video. If your kids are anything like my kids, they're far more obsessed with watching YouTube than anything else out there. Uh, and that means you hear the names of content creators that yeah. you've never heard of before. Did you know there's an annual boxing event called Creator Clash where YouTube content creators square off against one another for charity? It happened this past weekend, and one YouTube star who goes by Dad entered the ring. And Kyle, let me know if his entrance looks familiar to you. Okay, let me see. Oh my God, here he goes! Dad taking off into the ring! Jumping over oh, the ropes! Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my Lord, have mercy! This man oh is on fire! A feral he animal! right in our face, folks! And I hope you can tell this man's energy is unstoppable! 
Yeah, if you just added um, the armbands, the makeup, the long hair, and probably 70 pounds of muscle, I think you'd have our guy. I think you'd have the warrior. The problem is, is that dad, I, I, I feel like he expends 90% of his energy running into the ring. He's not, I don't think it from the looks of it, going into a scripted wrestling match either. So he's going to have to defend himself. What happened after this in Creator Clash 2 a day? <laughs> uh, I, I have a result that will shock you. Uh, Go Dad on. actually, Dad defeated Matt Starkiller Watson by TKO in just 22 seconds. And <laughs> after his win... <laughs> After his win, he called out the WWE roster, specifically Seth Rollins, and said that half the whole roster has been ducking him, and he wants to square off against them. Incredible. Next. I hope yep. Rollins responds. He has a sense of humor. He would get dad. The run is so funny. It's such a dad run, too. I feel like it's at your local carnival game when the dads sign up for like the three-legged race or something, and everyone gets injured and mad, and everyone's had a few IPAs. What a stupid, unathletic run. But I like the front forward vault over the top rope and then he won in 22 seconds against somebody called star killer i need to know more about that event it sounds pretty cool yeah uh, i will find out more info for you for our next brand awareness i'm sure there are many other characters similar to dad all right well i think a much more legitimate per performance by dad than by the push-up king uh flynn never playing possum in this segment appreciate you i'll see you tomorrow i'm gonna throw a dart let's go to the sky cam we always end the show with a random diatribe about something that I have not planned for. Whatever number it hits, there's a corresponding topic. Today's number is 17. What's topic number 17 prepared by the production staff that I will see now with you in real time? Topic number 17 as we end the show, what superpower would you want? Um, well, listen, I, I, I mean, the answer is, is flying. It's... I have a tough time coming up with anything else. If I really had a superpower though, like outside of just conventional superpowers, I would love to be able to eat and drink anything I wanted without gaining weight. I'm just at this point now where if I'm an idiot on the weekend and I, you know, just do normal stuff, like I drink a bunch or have pizza or, you know, Mexican food, like I gain like four or five pounds in two days. It's crazy and it's suffocating. And it's, it's like if you're not eating, tuna sashimi and uh, herbal tea 24-7, you just get big. It's, it's depending on your genes and your age, they just want to be fat so badly and you have to completely change the way you live. I like the way I live. I like finishing my kids' chicken fingers. I like having peanut butter and jelly out of the jar sometime. I don't want to have to gain four pounds a weekend when I do it. So that would be my superpower. Flying, sure. I'd like to mold and shape metal like Magneto, sure. Not being all that, not getting any weight and, and just eating anything I want. I would go eat some puffy Cheetos right now. I need a whole bag. I do it. I do it right there on camera. In the meantime, I can't. Um, I got to talk to you guys at least until tomorrow. Uh, we will be back. Share, like, subscribe, tweet, post, etc., etc. Tell all your friends. Go to the town crier. Say extra, extra. Kyle Brandt's basement. Uh, until then, you can exit through the garage. It's right around there. Close the door on your way out. See you tomorrow, guys.